All right, well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you guys are here on this foggy, rainy Memorial Day weekend. It's so good to see you guys. If you're online, some of you are like out on the lake right now. I'm just imagining somebody, probably not in the rain, but maybe if you are, you're watching on your phone. I'm so glad that you're joining us today, wherever you are. Um, it's so great, great to meet you guys. My name's Matt Wolf. For those of you who haven't met me, if you, and if you haven't done that, if you're new here or new-ish, go to risedenver.com connect. We have a little button that says, I'm new. Fill out that form. Not only will it give us a chance to get to know you, I'll reach out and, and, and say hi, but also we give $5 to the Denver Rescue Mission. So you're giving a gift to somebody in need when you just fill out that form. That's pretty simple and easy. Let's do it, right? Well, great. It's good to see you guys. We are going to be in week three of our Lost and Found series. If you've missed week one or two, go to risedenver.com slash media. You can subscribe to on YouTube, get your podcast app, subscribe to it so you have the audio and video of those uh, series. Uh, but, but you'll be able to just jump in this series. We're going to be in, in Luke chapter 16 in our message today. Luke chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 19. Now, you may notice there's a few verses in between what we covered last week and this week, we covered that, Sawyer and I did, uh, Pastor Sawyer, on our midweek podcast called The 10,000. It's a separate podcast feed, but you can find that. And we talked about some of those issues because we even talk about divorce and remarriage because Jesus mentions that. And we talk about what Jesus actually taught for those things. But today we're going to be in a very powerful parable about heaven and hell, about our eternal fate and whether we will be eternally lost. Eternally lost. Now, I think that it is undoubted, undoubtedly true that we will see people in heaven and we think, who let you in, <laughs> right? Who let you in? How did you get in here? We will be totally surprised at some of the people we see in heaven. But the flip side of that is also true. There will be people that will be surprised and we're thinking, where did that person go? I, I just assumed always that they would be here. I think that's true no matter what, but here's the thing. Most of us think that, and I think that's true, but here's the thing. We say that because all of us assume we're going to a heaven. <laughs> we, we do. It's interesting. There was a, a poll done in 2015 um, with the Pew Research and, and what they found, actually 2014, and what they found was that um, some 72% of Americans believe in heaven. 72% of Americans believe that there is an eternal fate that is heaven. 72%. And on the flip side of that, of Americans, some 58% believe in hell. So most people, the majority of people, almost three-quarters believe in heaven. More than half believes in hell. But if you ask those people, well, then where are you going? 84% of people say they are going to heaven. Guess how many people say, percentage of people say they're going to hell? One percent, okay. One percent is saying, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hell." What that tells me is that most of us have no clue about our eternal fate, because Jesus says very clearly, "Wide is the gate, and many will go to destruction, but narrow and few are the ones who will make it to heaven and eternal life." So that's why we're talking about this subject today, because most people just kind of think, oh, yeah, I'll probably be in heaven. There's no way I'm going to be in hell. One percent of people. I mean, that's like a rounding error in a poll, right? Just one percent, that's nothing. But yet there will be people 
and hell for eternity. And if this subject at, at all kind of makes you uncomfortable, you're like, I don't like hell. I don't like talking about hell. That's, that's okay. That's, we're going to talk about it because Jesus talks about it. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look, what does Jesus actually teach us about our eternal fates? I, I've titled this message today of fortunes and fate. And by fortunes, I mean the state of our lives right now. It does include perhaps our financial fortunes, but also, you know, the, the, the state of our lives is, is it good. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about our fate as in our eternal destiny, where we're going after we die. Of fortunes and fate is the title of this message because we don't want anyone to be eternally lost. I don't want anyone to be lost forever. And in this series, Lost and Found is so important. If we're talking about someone's eternal fate, this is big deal. Jesus thought it was a big deal, and that's why he taught on it, and that's why we're going to focus on it this morning. So in this series, in Lost and Found, in, in week one, we talked about how we are all spiritually lost. All, all of us are, even if we don't realize it. That either we are sinners and, and know, man, I've been making bad decisions in my life, things are not going well, that, that Jesus tells us to just come home, right? Come home to those of us who are sinners and know that we need forgiveness. But there's also those who think, I don't need forgiveness. I, I am uh, spiritually mature, and I'm so much better than all those other people. And Jesus says the same thing to those people because they are lost in their arrogance and self-righteousness. And to them, Jesus says, come home. Same invitation. That was week one. In week two, we talked about money because a lot of people are lost when it comes to money. And Jesus taught us to master money or money will be your master. And that was an interesting week um, because... When we talked about money, Jesus said we must be shrewd with our money, right? That was kind of surprising to some of the people. Yeah, we need to be shrewd. We need to be smarter and wise with our finances. But we also need to be stewards. God has entrusted us with our money, with our stuff, and we need to be good stewards of that. Hey, I'm getting a little bit of like a s or sizzle or something. Do you guys hear? I don't know. Maybe that's just my ears. Thanks, Ben. Um, so, so that's what we learned about money. And, and I thought it was really cool. I challenged people to be generous because if our, if our hearts are, are really shown by where we spend our money, we challenge everybody to give, to tithe. And, and we had um, about 10 people become first-time givers over this last week, which is really exciting. That's awesome. I think it's so cool that you guys are taking that first step of generosity. We also had a number of one-time gifts because I talked about our roof. You know, if you haven't been here for a while, this historic building, we had a roof that was in desperate need of fix. The structural engineer says, yeah, you better take care of that. The project ended up costing way more than we thought it would, uh, almost, a two, or, I'm sorry, almost a quarter million dollars. And you guys have given generously to that. Last week, we were, we're still owed about 50000 on that. And I think um, in one-time gifts, and not all of it was for the roof, but just in one-time gifts over this last week, there was almost $30,000 giving. So thank you guys for your generosity. I'm still waiting for that $50,000 check, so if you're out there, just write it. I know it's hard. But, but we're getting much closer to paying that roof off completely, and we'll, we'll just owe no money. I, I like being out of debt, don't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. So, so we've talked about being lost spiritually. We've talked about being lost financially. And today we're going to be talking about lost eternally, our eternal fate. And so what we're going to learn today, your, the big idea, this is good, is that our fortunes, your fortunes, are temporary. But your fate is eternal. That's what Jesus is going to teach us in this really interesting, fascinating parable we're going to go through today. That your fortunes are temporary, but your fate is eternal. So open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 31. You can use the YouVersion Bible app as well. And, and follow along. I'm sorry, Luke 16, we'll start in 19 and go to verse 31. So in, in verse 19, I'm going to start reading right there. Jesus says, There was a rich man 
who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Verse 20, at his gate was laid a beggar. Notice that he was laid there, meaning he probably physically couldn't even get himself to the gate. Somebody laid him there. A beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Ugh. So this is the parable that Jesus tells us, this story that has a deeper spiritual truth. It might be based on reality, but this is not necessarily a true story. This is the parable Jesus is telling us. This is so important. He, he wants us to understand this deeper spiritual truth about our eternal fates. And, and here's a rich man who, who you might know is, is never named in this parable. He's just this generic rich dude. So, so you can kind of picture that rich dude in your mind. Elon Musk, I don't know. But you're just picturing that rich dude, right? And here's this beggar at his gate, and he can't even physically move. He has to be laid there so, so that he's just crying out, I, I just want the crumbs from this guy's table, anything. I will take the, the dried pizza crust from that order from Michi's. I saw it come in the back. I just want that crust, right? Anything. And he is so weak that he's covered with these sores all over his body. And the dogs come and lick them up. Just breeding ground for bacteria, right? This is disgusting. But that means he's so physically weak that he can't even shoo the dogs away. Get them off of him. This man is in a desperate condition, starving. And here's this rich man, dressed nicely, living in luxury, right next to him. This could be a scene that you could picture here in our part of Denver, right? There's, there's this great big house in Park Hill, in, in Central Park. Even has a gate out front, okay? We're, we're gonna keep everybody out at, at bay, right? Big enough house that you can be in there living in luxury. And there is the homeless person. So physically decrepit that they can't even get there themselves. Somebody had to drag them perhaps there and, and thinking maybe in front of this nice house, somebody will come out. Maybe this, this rich person will come out and, and give them some scraps of food. This is the situation that Jesus wants us to picture in this parable. The one with the fortunes that are very good in his favor, right? The rich man. And then Lazarus, his fortunes are not so good, are they? He's been dealt a pretty raw hand. Not only is he poor financially, but he is physically at the point where he can't even do anything for himself. These are their fortunes. Verse 22, Jesus continues on this parable. He says, the time came when the beggar died. We're not told what. Maybe it's from an infection from his open wounds that dogs brought bacteria into. Maybe it's because he didn't eat enough. Maybe it's just that he died of, of some other natural causes. And the angels, it says, carried him to Abraham's side. We're going to talk about that in a second. Verse 23, in Hades, where, oh, I'm sorry, I, I jumped a little bit. Uh, the, the second sentence of verse 22, it says, the rich man also died and was buried. See the difference too? So this guy had a, a proper burial. He's put in a, a nice tomb. He would have had a funeral, but, but nothing is mentioned about that for the poor man, right? He, he dies in ignominious life, disrespectful. Nobody even remembers him. In verse 23, it says, in Hades, where he, the rich man, was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, 
because I'm in agony in this fire. So here are these two people who have completely different fortunes in this life, right? The rich man who has everything, lives in luxury, has all the food he wants, lives every day, it says, in luxury, and the poor man who has nothing, starving, disrespected, cast out. But their eternal destinies are are quite opposite, right? Interesting what's going on here. And in case you're wondering, this isn't the same Lazarus that Jesus raises from the dead in, in John chapter 11. Do you remember that story? We, we covered that on, on Easter Sunday this year. That's a different Lazarus. That was a real dude. It, Lazarus is probably a common name. It was like, you know, Matt. There's too many Matts around here. Okay. Too many Matts. Okay, so here's Lazarus. This, and, and he is named, and, and he is in Abraham's side. Some old translations translate that as Abraham's bosom, if you've ever heard that term, Abraham's bosom. But, but really, it just means right next to Abraham. And Abraham, of course, is the father of our faith, who, who back in Genesis was the first person that God chose and said, Abraham, through you, I, I'm going to bless you, and, and through you, bless the whole world. That all of us as believers trace our spiritual lineage back to Abraham and the fact that he stepped out in faith. And it says when God told him, okay, you're going to go to this land, this promised land, Abraham went And it says that he believed and it was credited to him as righteousness because he had faith in what God would do in the future. He was blessed. He was declared righteous. He was, he was saved. He was set apart and through him, the entire spiritual lineage of all who believe. So here's Abraham, the father of the faith who who is in the place that Jesus will, uh, other places called paradise, Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom. And here is Lazarus, the poor homeless beggar. So this place that, that Lazarus is in is what Jesus refers to as paradise. It, it's a nice place. Being there at Abraham's side, meaning he's sitting at the table with Abraham. This is a banquet. This is a feast. Whereas in this life, Lazarus didn't have anything, even crumbs to eat. Here he is feasting with the father of the faith. This is a great place to be. Uh, I, I think this is probably talking about the temporary heaven. You know, we talked about this in the, the first message in our series, Better Than You Think. You can go back and watch that. That The heaven we're, we're, most of us think of in our mind is probably just the temporary thing. We might go there when we die, but it's actually the new heavens and the new earth at the end that's going to be perfect, and everything as life as it was meant to be. That, that's what we look forward to in the future. But in this temporary heaven, which is paradise, in the presence of God, where Abraham and all the believers that have gone before us are going to be there, and we'll be feasting. It's going to be nice. It's going to be good. And there is Lazarus. There's Lazarus in paradise. They're in Abraham's side. But the rich man is in a place that Jesus calls Hades. Hades was the Greek term for the underworld. This is hell. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it was called Sheol. This is the place of the dead, where the dead who do not have faith are sent. And it describes that as a place where where there's torment, that Abraham uh, is talking to Lazarus, but, but Lazarus is like, I, I just want like a little dip of water from, from Lazarus' finger, right? This rich man, that's what he wants. That means he's thirsty, he's in agony, and it even says that he is in agony in this fire. This is hell. Now, I want to be clear that this is a parable, and a lot of people get nervous when we're interpreting parables because not every detail necessarily has a corresponding reality. It's teaching us a deep spiritual truth, but it might not be exactly what is going on. However, people take that and say, okay, well, I guess hell is just like a figurative place. No, 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 no. Because Jesus talked very clearly about 
hell. In fact, he talked about it a lot. If you took all the teachings of Jesus and you divided them up, 13% of what Jesus taught was about hell, about judgment, about God's wrath. Jesus talked about hell a lot. That would be like if you came here to our church, that, that every other month you'd get a message on hell. That's, that's how often Jesus preached and taught about hell. Some of you are thinking, oh, I don't know if I want that. Okay, every other month, right? That seems like a lot. But Jesus taught that much. That's the point, okay? He taught about it a lot. And I just want you to see some of the ways that Jesus described this Hades, this hell. And these are just some verses from uh, Matthew, the, the gospel according to Matthew. In, in Matthew 5.22, Jesus talks about the fires of hell. So even though it's, it's a parable here, we, we don't know if we can take the details, but elsewhere when he taught about hell, he said the fires of hell. In, in Matthew 13.42, Jesus called it the blazing furnace. If fire wasn't enough, a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't sound very pleasant. That means agony. In, in Matthew 25, 30, Jesus says the darkness, that's what he calls hell, the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> and then in Matthew 25, 41, the eternal fire, meaning it never ends, prepared for the devil and his angels, the demons. These are just a few of the instances when Jesus talked about hell. And it makes us wonder, uh, this, this is something that you should think about. How can there be a, a burning fire, but there's also darkness, okay? Well, here is the reality that this is very symbolic language. That, that darkness means there's no hope and there's isolation. Fire means it's going to be painful and perhaps some kind of burning disintegration forever. That's what it says. If you're thinking, well, how do those two things fit together? I don't want to find out, and neither do you. If we say, because some people think it, oh, it's metaphorical, it's symbolic, okay, but that means it's going to be actually worse than those things. If you think fire and darkness forever is bad, it's going to be worse than that. So if heaven is better than you think, as we talked about in our series, <laughs> if heaven is better than anything you could ever imagine, hell is far worse than anything you can imagine. The fact that it's symbolic or metaphorical doesn't make it any better. And this is Jesus talking. I didn't even look at any of the other verses outside of Jesus' teaching, did I? I didn't even look outside of the gospel according to Matthew. Jesus is very clear that this is a place of fire, darkness, torment forever. It is an eternal fate, he says, that is not pleasant. It's not pleasant. So, so I just want, want you to be clear, this is what Jesus taught. Because some of us think, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really like it. You know, may, maybe I'll believe in heaven, which obviously a lot of Christians do. They believe in heaven, but don't believe in hell. But Jesus is teaching Christianity, the Bible, is not a buffet, guys. It's not a buffet. You can't be like, mm, I'll have the chicken wings. Uh, no asparagus. I'm going to leave that over here. That's what we do with the buffet, right? If there ever is going to be a buffet for the rest of our lives, we don't know. Maybe COVID killed buffets. But that's what we do at a buffet. We pick what we want and choose it. People do that with their faith. I like heaven. Not so much hell. I, I like what, what Jesus says here about love your neighbors, but not so much what he taught on sexuality. I'm going to leave that. Okay, We don't get to do that because when you do that, you're actually creating a new religion. Okay, <laughs> You're creating a new religion. You are saying, I'm Buddha, I'm Confucius, I'm Muhammad, I'm Jesus, and I'm going to create my own religion for what I want. We can't do that. We're just following Jesus. And what Jesus says is there is heaven, there is hell, and they are eternal. We can move, move on from that. 
We don't get to pick our religion. If you follow Jesus, you follow Jesus and everything he teaches. He is Lord and Savior. So those are the two eternal fates, heaven and hell. And just by the way, some of, I think this is a crazy thing. I've talked with a lot of people who are like, I don't believe in hell because I don't like hell. Nobody likes hell. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not real. Okay, if you were going on a vacation, I just need to slip this in there. If you were going on a vacation and you're like, I want to go to the beach. So you're talking to the concierge at your hotel. Oh, I want to go to this beach over here. And they're like, no, 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 don't go to that beach. That's a bad idea. Those are shark infested waters. Those sharks eat human beings, okay? Don't go swimming in those waters. But you're like, no, no, I don't like sharks. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that. I'm, I'm going to go. No, 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 don't go there. You know, 15 people have been killed by sharks over the last two years. Don't go swim in those waters. And you go swim anyways, okay? You are going to believe as soon as that shark rips off one of your arms, okay? Right? Okay, because it's real, okay? What you like or dislike doesn't determine reality. What determines reality is reality, <laughs> So whether you like it or not doesn't uh, change what heaven or hell is. So that's why we go to what Jesus teaches, and that's why we're even talking about it today. So, so just if, if you're like, I don't know, I don't like it, I'm not a believer, I'm not a follower of Jesus, you're watching me online and you're thinking, what the heck is this nut job talking about? Okay, Just perhaps maybe you're wrong. And what if reality is that there is heaven, that there is hell, and they are eternal fates? Just open your mind for just a minute to have that possibility, okay? As we listen to what Jesus taught in this parable about Fortunes and fate. So in, in this, we, we're seeing that there's heaven, there's hell. This poor man, Lazarus, is in heaven. And the rich man, who's unnamed, is in hell. Verse 25. But Abraham replied. Because remember, this rich man is saying, Hey, can you just send Lazarus down here to just give me a dip of water? I'm in torment here. I'm thirsty. Verse 25, but Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things. You received your good things. While Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. I point this verse out because the fortunes of these two men were temporary, right? Right? The fortunes in this lifetime of these two men were very temporary. The rich man every day lived in luxury, had all that he needed and more, lived in his nice house with his, his good food and his nice fancy clothes. And every day Lazarus was there, dogs licking his sores, wanting just crumbs from the rich man's table. And yet their fortunes completely flipped in the afterlife, didn't they? See, your fortunes are temporary. Whatever you experience in this life will not last forever. And Jesus is wanting us to see this very, very clearly. Your fortunes in this life are temporary. Now, now this is so important for us to see because there's this great reversal happening here, right? The rich man who had everything loses it all. He had comfort in this life and he has agony in the next. He had all the food and water and drink and wine and whatever he wanted in this life. Now he can't even beg for a drip of water. In the afterlife. Our fortunes are temporary. And this is so important for some of us to hear because a lot of us rely on our wealth in this life. Or we rely on our talents or our smarts, that I'm smart enough to succeed, or our work ethic. I work hard. 
I see those other people, and they're not working hard, but look at me. I, I've, I have worked hard. I've gotten a good education. I, I've made some money, so I'm safe and secure. We base our security on these things. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Your fortunes are temporary. No one will take anything, as we talked about last week, into the next life. Job himself said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. I will leave this life. Come in naked, you leave naked, right? If you are rich now, if you have a nice house, if you have security, if you have a 401k, if you have good health insurance, and you feel like, okay, I'm safe and secure, even if something bad happened like a COVID coronavirus that that had a pandemic and wiped out everything, I'm going to be safe. I've got my MRE stashed, whatever it is. I'm safe. No, 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 no. You will take nothing with you. You cannot rely on anything in this life for the next. Your fortunes are reversible. Your fortunes are temporary. But there's a flip side of this too, right? Because some of you are like, Matt, I'm not wealthy. I don't have a good house. I'm barely making it paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes I don't even do that. I'm struggling to eat. Life is not good. I have gone through all sorts of difficulties. I didn't start out from wealth. I, I, I've worked hard, and I can barely get a, any education at all. Can't keep a good job. I am struggling. I have health conditions that have nothing to do with me. If that's you, guess what? Your fortunes are temporary. What a word of hope. Because this poor man who had nothing is there comforted by Abraham himself, sitting at the table with the father of the faith. That is such good news for some of you. You need to hear this, that even if you die poor with no no money to your name, maybe even some debt to your name, there is reversal in the next life. God will provide for you more than you need. There will be great reward. There's joy. This is the kingdom of God. Jesus taught this In the Beatitudes, does anybody remember that? I just want you to see a couple of them from Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, blessed are you who hunger now, because you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. That's just a couple of them. If your life is hard, if there's grief, if there's loss, if if people are, are struggling and your family's struggling, you're struggling, you don't know how you can make it each day, guess what? There is comfort, there is hope, there is joy for you in the afterlife. See, our fortunes are very temporary. This life is just this tiny little sliver of the millions and billions and trillions of years of eternity. This is a great word of hope for some of you today. You should be encouraged about this. Your fortunes are temporary. And I think this is an incredibly important thing Jesus is teaching here, but he's also teaching something, a second part of this, that our fortunes are temporary, but your fate is eternal. The fortunes, the the good things in your life or the bad things in your life, those can change, but not your eternal destiny. Verse 26, when Abraham says, no, 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 Lazarus isn't coming down there to give you a, a drop of water from his finger. He says in verse 26, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place. It's fixed. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Do you see this? Abraham, through this parable, is is teaching us, through, through the words of Jesus, he's teaching us, there is a heaven and there is a hell, and they are eternally separated. What C.S. Lewis called the great divorce in his book by the same name. They are forever separated. What Jesus is teaching here is that there is no such thing as purgatory. There is no such thing as a second chance in the afterlife. 
Your fate that you decide in this life is eternal. You guys tracking with me? And I know that there are some in the Christian tradition who believe in a thing called purgatory, but it's not in the Bible. You can search cover to cover every single word. It's not in there. It's not. What is taught by Jesus and the entire scriptures is there is eternal destiny, eternal fate, one way or the other, heaven or hell. In the presence of God, we're separated from God for eternity. Our fate is eternal. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it tells us when this fate happens. People are destined to die once. There's one death, and then they face judgment. You face judgment. The judge rules. You enter, you out, and that's it. There's not a second chance. Some of you grew up and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I did bad on the test. Can I redo? Can I do some extra credit? Can I come in in the summer and clean desks so that I can get my grade? I saw a news story that there was a school district and, and they were going to pass everyone who failed this year because COVID was so bad. That doesn't happen with heaven or hell. There's one judgment and that is forever. You don't get a second chance. Some of you are wondering then, well, if that's true, how could a good God send people to hell? Isn't that the question we want to know? How could a good God send people to hell? But here's the thing. I think this parable kind of reveals what's happening. The people in hell don't even want a second chance. Sure, this, this rich man who's in Hades, in torment, he wants some water. He wants to be relieved of his suffering. But he doesn't want to leave. And did you notice what he did? He said, Abraham, send that Lazarus, that poor beggar, to serve me. Even in hell, he is arrogant and prideful. He never once served Lazarus in his life. He had all the wealth, all the opulence. He had everything he needed, and he never once even gave crumbs to Lazarus. And still in hell, he has the same attitude. He should serve me, not the other way around. And I think Jesus is giving us this tiny little glimpse. This is like one of the only times in the Bible that like, you know, the, the curtain is kind of removed for a second. We can kind of see what, what, what's happening, these eternal realities that Jesus is very familiar with. And he's teaching us what they're like, even if it's just in this parable form. And he's saying that people in hell are still sinful, they're still arrogant, and they still think it's all about them. I think Milton was right in Paradise Lost when he said, it's better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. That's how a lot of people feel, and they will feel that way forever and ever and ever. Because they have a chance in this life to say, it's not about me, it's about God. I will serve him. Jesus will be my Lord and Savior. But they don't want to do that. They want it to be about them. I don't want to serve Jesus. For, for some people, this is the reality if they don't believe in Jesus, if they don't want him in their Lord and Savior, if they went to heaven forever and had to serve Jesus, it would be hell for them. Right? I don't want to be with Jesus for the rest of my life. I don't want to be around other Christians. That sounds awful. Well, what God does is he says, okay, have it your way. Like Burger King. Have it your way, right? Whatever you want. If you don't want to spend eternity with me, you don't have to. You don't have to. G.K. Chesterton, British author, uh, he, he said that hell is God's great compliment to the reality of human freedom and the dignity of human choice. God gives us the free choice to choose him or not. And because that reality exists, he lets us choose for ourselves our eternal fate 
in this life. Do you see that? That, That's what, what God is doing here. This is what you wanted, rich man. You chose this life, not serving me, not putting God first, not serving others. You chose to serve yourself always. And so you're going to spend eternity like that. C.S. Lewis, uh, Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, is great because it gives some other imagery to what this is like. I, I recommend it because what he, he visualizes hell as is people going and building their house just the way they want it. It's this perfect home, everything they want it. But then they're too close to their neighbors. They're annoyed by the neighbors around them. So, th- so they leave that house and move farther down the road and build another house. And hell just stretches out forever and ever because nobody wants to be around other people telling them what to do or being around their ugly, annoying neighbors. They don't want to love them. They want to be farther and farther and farther away. There's even this other scene where this person is, is almost like at the border of heaven and hell. And, and this person in heaven's like, well, yeah, you know, all you have to do is, is give up that pet lizard on your shoulder. It's really weird imagery that C.S. Lewis uses, but there's this little lizard on this, this person's shoulder. But they don't want to give it up. They want to hold on to their pet forever. No, I don't want to give up the lizard. It's my lizard. And that's what people are going to be like in hell. I don't want to give up this sin. I don't want to give up this thing. This is mine. I want it forever. And, and because of that lack of humility, because of that unwillingness to say, I want Jesus to save me. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. They are choosing for themselves hell. That's why C.S. Lewis would say that the, the doors of hell are locked from the inside. They're locked from the inside. And this is a great section. I know I, I quote C.S. Lewis. Probably the only person I quote more than C.S. Lewis, I think, is Jesus. Um, <laughs> he's great, right? Great author. But, but this is what he said. This section is so good in his book, The Problem of Pain. I want you to, 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 to read this with me. He says, The answers to all of those who object to the doctrine of hell is itself a question. What are you asking God to do? To wipe out their past sins and at all costs to give them a fresh start, smoothing every difficulty and offering every miraculous help? Next slide. But he has done so on Calvary. Jesus died on the cross. To forgive them? They will not be forgiven. They don't think they've done anything wrong. To leave them alone? Alas, I am afraid that is what he does. That's what he does. The way this parable concludes is so fascinating. Verse 27. Abraham, uh, you know, had just spoken to Lazarus saying, there's this great chasm. Your fate is already sealed. It's, It's eternal. And the rich man answers in verse 27, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus, still wanting Lazarus to be his servant, right? Send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Moses and the prophets are the Old Testament. Moses is, is short for the first five books of the Bible. The prophets are for the other books of the Bible. They have these scriptures. They talk about Abraham who put his faith in, in, in the future in God. That there's people that are Moses giving the law. This is how you should live. There, there's prophets telling people to repent. They have all these scriptures. Why don't they listen to what I have already said God is saying? God has spoken. Why don't they listen? They've already had prophets come to them. Why do they need somebody else coming to them? 
then in verse 30, no father Abraham, the rich man pleads, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. If they could just have this miraculous thing, if somebody who, who knew what was there in the afterlife came back and, and told us what it was actually like. Verse 31, Abraham said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Even if someone did come back from death and tell them what they should believe, what's happening in eternity, they won't believe. And that is the reality. Because Jesus spoke this before he ever died. He knew it was coming. He knew that he would die. And Jesus is the one who was there in heaven. He knew what was behind that curtain, right? He had been in heaven served by the angels. He knew the eternal fate that happens to, to believers and unbelievers. And he knew all that, and he came and he taught it clearly. I mean, this is pretty clear, right? It's very clear about the realities of heaven and hell. Jesus was abundantly clear about all these things. And then even after the clarity of his teaching, people rejected him. So then he still went and died on the cross. Though he had done nothing wrong, though he did not deserve hell, he suffered hell. And the scriptures tell us he's, he descended. Now it's debated whether he descended into hell or not. I don't even want to get into that. But the scriptures say that he descended. When he died, he spent three days in the earth dead. He saw what was there on the other side. In death, the, this death that he suffered. But then on the third day, we know that death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. And Jesus rose from the dead, showing that God has power over all of death and over Hades and over Satan himself. Amen. And when Jesus rode from the dead, he came and told us, he showed us, believe in me. And yet still some people don't believe. What Jesus predicted came true, right? He came back from the dead to tell people, believe, repent. You can have an eternal fate forever with me in paradise. Or you can choose for yourself hell. And sadly, many people choose hell. It's not just 1%. It's not. It's not. So as Jesus taught... I'm teaching, right? I just try to tell you what Jesus says. There are uh, fortunes in this life. Your fortunes are, are temporary. Some of you need to hear that because you've been putting your faith in your, your riches, your good health, your, your status, whatever it is. And, and you need to realize, I can't trust in that. I need to trust in Jesus. And, and some others of you who have had a crummy, terrible life, your fortunes are terrible. You can have hope for the future. Your fortunes are temporary. But your fate is eternal. The decisions you make right now, will I believe in Jesus Christ? Will I declare him my Lord and Savior? Will I believe that what he did on the cross was enough to atone for my sins and that I can have a resurrected life just like Jesus? If you make that decision, your fate is eternal. And if you decide to reject Jesus, your fate is just as eternal, separated forever in hell. So some of you need to make a decision today. If you're wondering, like, everybody's like, well, why can't I get that second chance? Today is your second chance. You're getting to hear right now the truth from Jesus' mouth. From the one who did conquer death and returned. And today is your second chance to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. To, to seal forever your eternal fate. So I want everyone to just close their eyes right now. To close your eyes because I'm giving you an opportunity to declare Jesus your Lord and Savior. Whether you're online or in person today. I don't care if you're watching this three months from now online. Make this decision today 
seal your eternal fate. Your fate is eternal one way or the other, and there are only two options. And I want you to just, if you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, you do want to go to heaven. You don't want the separation, the torment, the agony of hell. You need to declare Jesus your Lord and Savior through this simple prayer. So with eyes closed right now, if you're already a believer, say this, repair, this prayer, repeat it after me. For the rest of you, say this prayer for the first time to mean it and find eternal life. Dear Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need a Savior. So I'm coming home. I receive your grace. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me to follow you and live generously. Amen. Now, keep your eyes closed for just a second. Eyes closed. If you said that prayer for the first time, would you slip your hand into the air? Would you slip your hand in the air? I just want to pray for you, encourage you. If you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. Fill out that form. And I'd love to just encourage you because your eternity is set now. You will spend eternity with Jesus in paradise. The pleasure's forevermore. Lord God, I pray for all of us that we would not forget this truth. That we would live knowing that our fortunes, that the good things or the bad things in this life are so temporary. But we would know that our fate is eternal. And for those of us who are believers today, would you give us the confidence and the courage to move ahead knowing that our fate is sealed in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.